When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Well, that's true, but it's also true that Zolgan and Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune sports columnist, have Minnesota sports and, uh, in Chip's case, SEC football flowing through his veins. Conduits of trouble. What's up, buddy? How are you today? I'm not going to lie, man. I was a little jealous last night. Of you, oh the ball game! I've always wanted to cover a no hitter and get to write about it, and I thought you were going to get the shot. Oh, I know, I know. I was, I felt I was so close because he had Maeda had the stuff. You like he oh, had I it. I could tell he had it. Well, Judd, watch it on TV. Um, it was amazing. You, I mean, you could see just how his ball just moves all over the place, up, down, side. You know, the way he can. Uh, move it in and out and up and down. and But the, the Brewers' faces, they just looked so baffled and so exasperated. I mean, with every strikeout, they were just like, they wanted yep. to squeeze the bat to sawdust. They were so just flummoxed by him. And, man, he had it rolling last night. It, it was fun to watch. Okay, this is a fun path to go down. Give me, Give me the coolest things that you have covered or been to and give me the things that you most want to cover before your career in this goofy but great business is done. I will say, I always, uh, probably the, can we say sporting event or just individual achievement? Uh, anything in sports that you choose. Okay. Um, I would say my career highlights um, were the, uh, was the Rose Bowl. Texas USC Vince Young. That was one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen. Yep. Um, uh, 09 NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. The Miracle, Minneapolis Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, the Olympics this year uh, with uh, the string, I'll, I'll call it the, the Minnesota string, um, when you had uh, Diggins. Uh, the women's hockey team finally beat in Canada, and then the Schuster Gold. That was pretty incredible. Um, but I, I'm trying to think uh, anything. Well, the Wild 03 uh, playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of individual, I would love to see a no hitter or a perfect game. I, I think that's kind of a bucket list for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, here's. The weird thing. So as far as as no-nos go, Chipper, to to me, and I would say about four or five years back, they became, just as a concept, 
somewhat diluted because it felt like we got we started to get a lot of them. But that being said, I I would love to keep score of one and cover it, okay? Because I've never covered an entire one. I I got to the Metrodome late when Eric Milton pitched the no hitter against the Angels in '98, which I think was in September, and I think it was the morning. So it was an 11 a.m. start with Gopher football that night. I got to the end and saw it, but I didn't see the entire thing. Uh, yeah. a, a perfect game would be glorious to cover. Yeah. I mean, that would yeah. be fantastic. Um, and I'm trying to think of the coolest thing I've covered. Peterson's record-setting day against the Chargers was yeah. was really, really, as far as individual accomplishments go, was sure. very cool. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't that might be that up there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talked about the no-hitters, and I know they're, they're a lot more commonplace now. But didn't you find yourself last night, Judd, kind of having, like, I don't know if it was butterflies, but you're just like, man, you want to see this, just the excitement of it. Um, I remember, like, in that last inning, the bottom of the eighth, I was like, just make this quick. I want to yes. get the Maeda back out there to see if this happens. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening more. I think when you're watching it live and you're invested in it from start to finish, you definitely would like, you know, it still would be a cool experience to be able to cover one and, and, and uh, score it in your scorebook. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was, I think last night at uh, target field, I think the first time I thought about it being a realistic possibility with how well he was pitching was as early mm-hmm. as the fourth. And, and I will say that the feeling that you get to me and I get that it's an individual accomplishment versus a, a, a big game for a team like a playoff game. But the feeling that you get as it continues to go along very much in my gut was what I had in 2009 at the Superdome in covering with you the Viking Saints conference title game. Sure, It was that sort of, for lack of a better term, I guess, the buildup of, oh, we're getting closer and closer mm-hmm. and closer. And so... I was definitely d- disappointed when Sogard got that hit because yeah. the Brewers offensively aren't that good and Maeda was so damn good that I thought at one point this is going to happen, which is probably the kiss of death. Was it was it weird, Judd, in there? Because if that was a normal and, and fans were in there, there had been so much tension and just noise and you know uh, the excitement and really just the nervousness of can he do it. Was it weird just having – just two teams in there doing it. What was the, I mean, there, there was obviously no atmosphere, but um, did it feel weird from that standpoint? You know, it didn't feel, as, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It didn't feel as weird as you would think. I've grown. So I think I've been to every twins home game so far to cover. I've grown so accustomed to their fans, not being there. And yeah. I don't know if this is going to make sense or not, but the athletic tension that existed because of what he was doing was still there. Sure, sure. And I do I do think that there is a certain energy or feeling that's driven solely by the players. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it didn't seem – did it seem completely normal? Absolutely not. But yeah. to your point, it didn't seem as weird as you might think because of the fact that between the two dugouts, there was a definite competitive tension that still exists there. And you can see it in body language and faces. Right on TV. Yes, I mean it. It, just, it came through on TV just um, in the way the guys were reacting and the way uh, Miata uh, was re- uh, reacting after. I mean those 
that run of eight strikeouts mm. in a row was just, you know, uh, incredible. Um, so it, it came through. I mean, just how you could tell when players like, okay, this isn't just a run-of-the-mill game. And right. I don't know if there is any run-of-the-mill games this year, but you could tell um, just from their body language uh, how excited they were for this. Your thoughts on the, that we, we finally got the chance to see this, starting uh, extra innings with a man placed on second base. What would you think? You know what, Judd? I kind of liked it. I do, too. I, I do, too. Don't apologize. I, I sort of complained about it first and thought, ah, this is hokey. This is not, you know, this is not baseball. But it definitely brings uh, an urgency and um, strategy automatic into it. And I, yes. you know, I kept thinking, bunt him over, bunt him over. Why don't they bunt him? You know, and they did it. So I don't know if that's not going to be part of the strategy or, or depends on – Who's up or, you know, I think they're mentioning last night. It's true, whether you're home or away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does. Uh, and that game just went sideways with all the different moves and uh, ejections and, and um, you know, bringing five guys into the infield. I mean, it was it was crazy. But I sort of like it, Judd. I, I, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I wouldn't mind if they continue this on, you know, going forward in the future. I think they 100% should, Chipper. I think they definitely should. I think it's fun. And I had no, I had never thought, because when this was originally announced, and I believe it was put into the minor leagues last year, if not the year before, but when this was announced, I thought it's hokey, it's a terrible idea, it's not baseball. Here's what I didn't think about, though, to your point the amount of strategy that it absolutely immediately brings up. And yeah. it's great because because the one thing that I think that we saw in the game last night that we also, so to go to a second uh, tier of this conversation that we also hadn't probably talked about or thought about is managers definitely talk to, to the players about pre, um, pre-ordained strategies before the inning starts, right? Sure. So, like, if if as I think it was in the eleventh last night, the runner from second, if there's a chopper to the first baseman, the runner from second takes off for third. I don't think it's the first baseman bang bang saying I'm going to throw across to the third baseman to try and get the guy. I think he's been told if the ball comes to you and he takes off, throw. So it's yeah. like all of these these stra- these strategic decisions that ordinarily probably w- wouldn't be um, thought out are thought mm-hmm. out now and invoked. And I just think it's great fun. For lack of a better well, term, I think it's fun. Yeah, and, and and you saw that you may make substitutions based on the speed of your guy that's starting on second base. And yeah. if he doesn't score, now all of a sudden, you know, you're having to reconfigure some things for that next inning. And, and hey, we, they still went, what, three extra innings, Judd? I mean, we, yes. it wasn't like this thing was over in the 10th. So we saw it's not an automatic slam dunk. They're going to score right away. And so... Um, I think it does lend itself to a lot of uh, baked-in strategy that wouldn't be there otherwise, and just that's just some. It, it, it brings an element of drama to it, um, and so I, I, I liked it. I didn't think I would, but I, I actually did, and I hope it's part of it um, going forward because it does. You know, it does right from the get-go. It brings some tension to the to that extra inning. Absolutely does. Yeah. Um, that that game. I think it's safe to say, and if I'm not mistaken, I've got it in my notes here somewhere, Chip. I think that was game 24, 25 uh, for the Twins of the 60 that they're going to play. Yeah. In the uh, regular season this summer, 
it's going to be hard, to your point, to top that game, though, because yeah, the Maeda performance alone, you know, we, we could break down and talk about, but, you know, um, go to extras. Rogers struggles. Yeah, Five man infield for the Brewers. You know, just go through the litany of of, of things. Well, yeah, think about it. I mean, well, when is Byron Buster going to hit into two double plays? Yeah, that's game? another one. Great one. And and then the the Kepler catch and the bad base running by the guy on third, where he how does Jerko he, not tag up there? I don't know. Like, how I mean, are you not tagging up? I, I don't know. I mean, it was just he just had a brain cramp, I guess. Um, that's a hell of a time but, for brain cramp. I know, but there were just like so many. That's why I tweeted out. I was like, Lavelle's going to need the entire sports section to get unpacked this entire game because there's just like so many. Well, and Gonzalez gets ejected. Now you got to put Garver at first, right? And, uh, yes. Uh, you know, just, I mean, there are so many like little subplots to that game that, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a guy almost throw a no hitter and then you add all this other stuff on top of it. It was just, it was great. I mean, and, and I tweeted this out, Judd. That is why we love sports mm-hmm. and why we love sports so much during, during the pandemic. Because any given day, you may see a dud or you may get that, and you just don't know. And, you know, on the nights where you get something like that, it just it made for a hell of a night of just fun watching TV and for you being in person. I mean, that was entertaining as all get out, you know. And, and you, you know, you might not be expecting something like that going to a game, and you're not going to expect to see a no-hitter or – get that close so it's just i mean i missed having that you know i mean like last night at donovan i was like man i really miss like this feeling i have right now where you just really entertain and into just a you know just a baseball game and so it was it was awesome and it's great too because at points at points it's fantastic to watch and, and it's fun and at points you're basically saying what the hell are you doing and that's what makes sports great is is it's not just all um jubilation and fun that part's fun too, but it's also the you know Jerko d- doesn't tag up, and you're saying to yourself, "What the hell is going on?" And it's it's not that you're a Brewers fan, but I just I love to go through the course of a sporting event, and baseball, of course, is ripe for this, and pick apart and wonder and criticize and praise, and yeah, mm-hmm. here. So here's the biggest um, compliment and or praise I can give that game. And I can almost tell you for sure, aside from probably th- that uh, wildly entertaining Yankee series at Target Field last year, I don't think that there's a Twins game that I went to that I could say this about, all right? The time of that game was 428, and I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. And last yeah. year, I think I complained to you, and I don't think I was wrong at the time, but how much did we complain about pace of play and you've got to get these games done and you've got to do something, right? Yeah. That game last night was almost four hours and 30 minutes, and yet I'm telling you, for the most part, I enjoyed every minute of it. Well, and, and part of it is you don't want to have a four-hour game and no action. Right. I mean, you, I mean, you had a four-and-a-half-hour game and almost all, you know, a no-hitter. You saw all kinds of weird stuff. You saw action. You saw squeeze play. You saw, you know, all these things going on. Where it gets bad is, you know, a four-hour game where there's, a million strikeouts and not much balls put in play. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of uh, boring. Uh, that wasn't boring. <laughs> Extra innings last night without the new rule. One, they'd still be playing. Two, would yeah. have been incredibly boring. It would yeah, have been because both teams really didn't hit well. We would we would have watched a game where teams flailed and tried to get guys mm-hmm. on base and they would have failed and then guys would have tried to hit home runs. 
The gra- the greatest thing about the guy on second is it pulls back on the on the power rush of things, right? Sure, yeah. Like you got to figure out how to score that <laughs> run. Ordinarily, yeah. by the twelfth last night, you would have had guys swinging from their um, from the back of their yeah. shoes. I, I did. I haven't been on uh, Rocco's Zoom here of late. Did he? Has he talked about? I mean, I don't know. He's not going to give a strategy every time, obviously, but. Um, the idea of butting that guy over with the first guy, does that come up uh, in his deliberations? It didn't come up last night, um, but clearly he's not a fan because what Adrianza had the chance to bunt Vargas to third. But but here's the but here's the thing, the breaking news about Baldelli. How about the fact that during this homestand, and I think it's within the last four games, the man has squeezed home two runs with bunts. Yeah, twice. I think is it back is it back to back days or uh, no? I think it was on yeah. one was on Saturday or no on Sunday and one was on Tuesday. But the point is, the point yeah. is, a man who clearly is in with the new wave of analytics in baseball has squeezed home two runs on one homestand. That's old school. I love it. Yeah, that's why I thought. Well, when Adrian Anza came up, I thought for sure he would bunt. Uh, yeah, there and he he walked right. I can't remember what he did, but I I thought for sure he would. Um, he would have him lay down there. So it'll be interesting to see how, and I'm sure it's all about matchups and different things. And it's not going to be one uniform, uh, you know, philosophy, but, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it, it I mean, you know, extra innings when you're not scoring can feel like they last a lifetime. Oh, they know? suck. Yes. <laughs> it sucks. But like that, when you start to get a second, it definitely, uh, you know, it keeps your interest there because there's so much strategy involved with it. Okay, so that that's the uh, good of of uh, baseball, and, and there's definitely some new pandemic induced rules that I uh, that I like, Chip. So let's go to, to the bad uh, because I actually thought of you and your kids immediately on this one. Okay, mm-hmm. the Fernando Tatis Jr. whole thing oh my God. about celebrating and or swinging at a three zero pitch to hit a bleeping grand slam. When by the way, you are a great player. And I don't, and look, we, we've talked about baseball's archaic old school rules, unwritten rules, which don't exist, but they do exist and we don't know them all. Um, but the direction I want to go is the, what I thought about was your sons and Ja Morant of Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr. is an incredible talent. He plays for the Padres, and I get the fact the Padres are buried. They play on the West Coast. They play late games. Kids don't exactly yeah. flock to Padres games. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is the type of player that I do believe kids would flock to. And the fact that his name had to make headlines because he violated some rule that nobody really pays attention to until it's violated Um that is baseball's problem. And I don't look, I understand it's not, it's not the one thing that's killing baseball, sure. but, but you know, I'd be curious if the Scoggins boys had heard of Tatis Jr. until oh, no. this, but think no. about him. He's a flashy kid. I think he's pretty articulate. He's a great ball player. I mean, this is the type of guy that baseball should have on billboards and should be marketing and should be, should be doing what, basketball does which is selling individual talents and that's the that's the shame of this story and this kid making headlines for something in which by the way he did nothing wrong and it's just excelling at what he does yeah the the whole that whole thing was absurd i think it's being everybody's panning it um how much do you think of that is um judd that well one i don't think baseball does you know they're horrific in terms of marketing guys but two 
when you look at basketball, every game's a national game, whereas baseball is just so regional. Yep. Right? You're just not seeing. I mean, yeah, they have ESPN has national uh, broadcast, but but by and large, their focus is on regional and really um, emphasizing the regional markets and being strong there. Whereas the NBA, it doesn't matter. You know, every night it's you're you know you're going to have two games on or whatever, and they have you know it's just more of a national global game. Whereas I, I just feel like baseball is so. Specific so specific to each market, mm-hmm. you know, that, that my kids never would, couldn't name one guy on the Padres, couldn't name their best player. They couldn't name guys in other markets, just one or, you know, they're like a lot of kids. Baseball's not front and center with them. It's not something they, you know, they're so enamored with the NBA, but, um, but I also think it's just cause you don't, they don't see them. They just don't see these players that much. And so, uh, I don't know how they get around that, Judd. I, I mean, yeah, they could do a better job with marketing. And um, I think we talked about it years ago where when people compared uh, LeBron's Instagram followers to Mike Trout's, and it was, you know, like a right. hundred times to one. And so it's just like, you know, there's a, there's a uh, marketing issue and a, a gap there that's just, they're not resonating with young kids, but um I don't know how they get around that. I don't know if it's a sport thing, if it's a TV thing, if it's just a generational thing or what, or all of it. You know, I think it might be a combination of a lot of things. Right. But, Chip, don't you think that – okay, so let, let's go down the path of Mike Trout is a great ball player, but he's a boring guy, okay? So he's just boring. It's not his fault. He's just a boring dude. But you know who's not boring? Fernando Tatis. Yeah, and, yeah. and there are people at baseball who make, I'm sure, um, a lot of money a year to market that sport, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, this is the guy, and, and this presents, by the way, this could be good or bad. And the good is you latch onto this and now start a marketing campaign, basically mocking the people that said that, that this was wrong <laughs> and getting the kid out there. Because look, again, he's a flashy, articulate, probably future MVP, great player. And I don't think he's boring. So if Trout's boring, he's boring. But this kid's yeah. not. This is where you do, um, you glum onto this and you say, how can we turn this in our favor? How can we basically say, if, if the old school wants to, um, complain about excellence, that's their problem. But if this kid hits what, two home runs in one game and a grand slam and, mm-hmm. and then, and then, you know, and kids will, I think, like him, run yeah. with that. And so, so if, Manfred and the boys want to come out and say, yeah, Mike Trout could do more. Man, he's not very exciting, which they essentially did. I say to them, okay, that's fine, but take this kid and what he does. And I know he plays for the Padres, but that doesn't mean you can't move Padres merchandise. And we know this, too, from basketball. You know, the gift that basketball has and baseball should um, take a cue from is the Padres don't matter. The yeah. guy matters. The, the person, the individual. Yeah. So I don't give a damn if you buy, if you want to buy a Padres team poster. I want you to buy this guy's jersey, and I want you to say this is the guy. And there, I, I feel like we keep coming up for with excuses for baseball when yeah. when opportunities present themselves that are absolutely there to be had. Well, they can start by not making the guy apologize for doing something that he didn't do wrong. I mean, that that's one, you know, and it, it, I think it's just, there's just this, um, 
either reluctance or inability to market individual stars like that. You know, why do you think that is though? I don't know if it's the is is it the sport. Um, I mean, you got to get past it if it's the sport because you are potentially costing yourself millions of dollars. And and I mean this this is where the kids are, and the kids are who's important. Chip and Judd aren't important. The kids are important. I I, well, I agree, and it's. For whatever reason, they have just struggled to be able to connect that way, where kids know all these the young stars. You know, kids everywhere know John Morant. They know yep. Zion. They know all the up and comers. They know Luca. You know, they know the young stars. Do you think the average kid's gonna know who the young stars in Major League Baseball is? And so it's just not. There's a disconnect there, and I. They they've got to figure out yeah it, um, either it's a marketing strategy or, or just the fundamental way they view it um, how they sell uh, you know individual stars uh, more than you know than they have um, but you're right I mean it's 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 there's there's a gap there and there's a, it's it's a disconnect that I just don't think kids are getting now. Um, and I don't know how they get around, Judd. I, I really don't. I think I mean, two. Like, I think it's two things. I think one, we have to get past this. It's a team sport thing, especially with baseball, because baseball is about people. It's not about teams. Um, sure. So one is, I think we need to get past that. Two is, I think you have to be, if you're baseball, willing to mock the old guard. And by mock, I would they do that though? Look who their commissioner is. You no, know? I know, but I'm talking about. But but the one thing that trumps everything is money, right? And yeah, and yeah. if you and if you made fun of the Rangers and you made fun of this, you know, he hit. I mean, the kid had a grand slam. If you make fun of, there's a certain amount of runs. And and I'm not saying by mocking them, I'm not saying that it's got to be completely frontal, but it does have to be. We will never penalize excellence. Yeah, but they, Judd, this is a sport that it's taboo to do a bat flip or to show. We gotta get past, and you just gotta get past that because you're gonna show up. What? Who is it? Um, Oh, was it Lindor, right? When they when when uh, when they played the, the Twins in the exhibition last year in um, Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico, and didn't he hit a home run and then basically apologized for showing the excitement that he wasn't showing up the other team? It's like what? Nobody thought that, you know. I mean, yeah. it's just it, it's like when they do something that shows any kind of personality, and that's what this is, right? It's just personality mm-hmm. um, or emotion that's frowned upon. It's like, Oh, they're, you know, you don't do that in this sport. It's, you know, we don't do that here. We're above that. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, this, this, that's whether you agree with it or not, that appeals to the younger audience. They want to see personality. They want to see, um, you know, things on Instagram or social media. And, and so, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. They have to get past that. I don't know if it's a stigma, but just past that old school philosophy that you don't do anything to embarrass the game or you don't do anything right. to show up somebody. And and I don't know if it's necessarily showing anybody up, but, I mean, as soon as somebody, you know, does a bat flip, what happens? The next guy gets plunked in the ribs. I you know? Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, I mean, it's they, they, there's just this old guard mentality that I don't I don't know that they're going to be able to get past, Judd. I just think the one thing that's the most important thing in all of sports, and we have certainly seen this through the years in covering sports, is the ability to make money, right? And mm-hmm. so that's the one, you know, so like we can go down the path of I want my team to be a team, or we can go down the, the path of you don't win championships by doing it that that way. But you know what? We've all seen this. 
the one area where coaches and executives uh, who run teams are told, why don't you sit down and shut up, is when I see an opportunity to make cash. So I just I just hope they can do – I hope they see what they have here, which is a young player who I think could easily become the face of the game or a face of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. But we need to get past this whole thing of it's a, it's about the team – it's about it's about something besides that player. No, it's actually about that player, and basketball's yeah, proven that. Exactly. Yeah, and I like your point where it would be smart if they came out and said, "Okay, you know, probably not a lot of people, uh, average or random fan, knew this kid before this." Right. Now let's turn it into like a not a spoof, but just have a good natured fun with it. You know, yep. like you do that commercials or whatever. Um, let the put kids play, shows. right? Yeah, put them, put them on, get them on, you know, national shows or something, you know, uh, you know, what, however you do it to market it, but um, turn the tables and use that as your advantage instead of just, you know, oh, he learned his lesson, he'll never do that again. Exactly. Like, you know. So. Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, th- this is the same league that uh, I think it was two years ago during the playoffs debuted the let the kids play. Well, if you're going to sure. let the kids play, if that's really what you want, then let them play. Don't don't. Give us this, you know, uh, sanitized, cleaned up commercial and then come back and be like, well, we'll let you play. But you've just violated the Grand Slam rule. You can't do that. So that's (laughs) stupid. Uh, Last thing, Vikings. Yes. I have never felt, uh, and this is, you know, in large part because of the pandemic, I've never felt more distant from what's going on in training camp than I do right now. I I went out there on uh, Monday for the first full padded practice, which I think Chip Scoggins was 90 minutes in duration. I mean, we are so far away from the Mankato two-a-days, it's not funny. Uh, But as far as having a feeling for this team, I feel a long ways away. I will say say this one, though. I am so curious to see this defense and what Zim is going to do and how much his uh, schemes and coaching, in air quotes, genius – can get this defense through because when you yeah. don't have a real nose tackle and you have cornerbacks this young, it is going to be um, it's going to be a different feeling, I think, for this this team compared to what we've seen since Mike got the job in 2014. And really, Chip, starting in 2015, that defense has, at the end of the day, been the most important thing I think on the team. Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously in transition. Um, some people think that's code word for taking a big step back. Now Zimmer would dispute that. Uh, and, you know, I think he takes offense to anyone thinks his defense is going to struggle. But um, it, the thing is, uh, and I don't know how much stock you can really put into preseason games. Yeah, uh, most years. But I think with this year, if you had it, I think you would at least glean a little insight into these young corners and. You know the the uh, changes they made along the line to kind of get a sense for that. Really, you know, the, I asked Zimmer if he's going to tackle more in practice, and he said, "Well, he's kind of debating that, and he's something he's been thinking about." But he, you know, he doesn't want to get anybody hurt. He said the most important thing is just getting to the opener healthy. Um, so it's going to be, you know, I mean, there's no uh, audition. I mean, this is just you know, opening. You're going against Aaron Rodgers. Here you go, <laughs> first game. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we, we tend to um, overstate what we see in, in a training camp practice, but, you know, I mean, Danzler's look good uh, early on, and um, he's shown flashes. I mean, that, that 
that pass breakup against on the ball against Steven was was a heck of a play. Yes, it was. Um, but it's practice, Judd. <laughs> you know, and, and I think both you and I have fallen in the trap of making too much of what we see on a you know on a seven on seven or a training camp practice. That's just totally different when you get to the game. So um, I'm curious. I mean, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see. I think we sort of know what to expect from the offense, right? I mean, there's not going to be. They need to find you know more receiver depth. Uh, to compliment Thielen, but I think by and large you got a sense of what that that group is. Um, but the defense, I really, I, it's just a wild card. I really have no idea, you know, what what to expect. I don't even know what the expectations are for that group yet. So the the dance will play on Monday. I want to talk about in this context because I saw it live and it was a really nice play. And it came against the first team offense, and you know that's an impressive play. You're right. But here's the context that I want to talk about it in. Ordinarily, we would see that play from our jobs and be like, oh, man, that's a nice play, you know, and we would write about it, which we did, and it would weigh into our thinking about him. But the coaching staff would then have um, OTA film, minicamp film, preseason film, countless hours of, of training camp practice film. And they would they – would, um, Look at that play and be impressed, but they would definitely have a lot more to go on than that play. Um, The reality is, big picture, they don't. Like, they're going to have more than we have, but they had no OTAs, mini camps. They're going to have no preseason games. And the fact is that the COVID camp schedule, you know, is pretty tight and doesn't allow for a lot. So I guess my question to you is, what's your best guess about how they are going to assess and judge things with probably a fraction of the ordinary film and background that they usually have? And my fear is it is going to lead to about a month or a month plus of terrible games. It could be. I mean, I, I would think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that it's going to be affected. Now, I've heard a couple of players say, I will be fresher. Okay, there might be something to that too, but but I don't think you can miss that much time um, and it not have some effect. I mean, because th- there is chemistry, there's reps. I mean, all that stuff matters. As much as we might roll our eyes at it, I think yep. it does matter. Um, or otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it years prior, right? And so, um, and, you know, Zim, I think he mentioned that, I don't know if it's going to be an outright scrimmage, but he said he might go like one full quarter on a Sunday and then the next uh, Sunday do like, an entire half where at least you're trying to simulate some game uh, I know. situations. I know. I think that's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, because you, you're not going to be able to glean a whole lot off seven and sevens. I mean, you watch a typical uh, practice <laughs> and it's, it's about what? 10 minutes of full 11 on 11. Chip, the garbage cans are always good. Okay. I know. <laughs> they never move. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, if, if they do try to at least twice or three times have, you know, a, a as much of a game simulation as you can. Um, but honestly, a lot of this is just probably going to be guesswork and you're not going to really know until the game's being played for real because they're, you know, and preseason games are not real, but they're as close as you're going to get. They're about so, timing though, right? Like, like it's yeah, about timing. That, that third preseason game is your first team offense, for instance, getting mm-hmm. its timing down. I mean, I I just think that, that it's become now where training camps are so different than they were 10 to 15 years back that the first month, Chip, 
um, offensively is often really, really not attractive and it's bad football. I, I can only imagine what that's going to be taken down to now with basically no timings, you know, because I'm sorry, to your point, and you're right, uh, seven on seven does not cut it. It just doesn't. And so I think we're really going to have a month or two months of just almost unwatchable football, especially from the offensive side, because of the fact that that timing and with new quarterbacks in new places, uh, it's not their fault. It's just going to be hard to watch. Well, yeah, it, it could be disjointed. And, you know, I, I already fear like, a ton of penalties, turnovers, just some sloppy. Do you think guys get hurt too? Uh, more? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I still think they're doing enough conditioning and stuff like that that you, you know, that you, I don't know you're going to see, you know, any number of like hamstring pulls. I, I don't know that that's going to be, and I still think they're doing a lot of conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just, just the speed and tempo changes in a real game. And, and so I think that's where the timing more than, than injuries um, will come up. Uh, you know, like I, I do think maybe, you know, getting to the end of camp fresh and not having as much two days and all that. I, I think that there will be some benefit to that. You know, I think guys' bodies will be um, probably more, will feel better than they do after a you know normal camp. But, um, but I, I do, I do agree with the timing because you know, I do think preseason games help, you know, speed up things because you can try to play fast and practice all you want, but it's just not the same. And and there's probably a degree higher in these preseason games, and then it, you know, it goes another level once you get to the real uh, the regular season. So you're just going to be making a big jump from practice to a game without those preseason games. And so, yep. yeah, I, I, I the first couple, you know, maybe the first month is just going to be a feeling out process probably and trying to get up to speed where, you know, you're used to that tempo. Last thing, how on earth do you think that Zim is going to get through this from a mental standpoint when we know, and he admits flat out, he has no patience. Like, yeah. e- like everything about this, the, the entire, the games themselves are going to be, ragged uh his defense I, I don't see you know i don't see how those corners aren't going to struggle yeah. uh they're the uh litany of quarterbacks the vikings are going to face if they all stay healthy is pretty damn good i am so curious to see how he goes about approaching this knowing that it's really not the player's fault there's nothing that he can yeah. do but he admittedly has zero patience well we may see angry zm a lot <laughs> you know yeah i guess uh, but and, and and on top of that, and then you know they they have nobody on the COVID <clears throat> reserve list now, and and hopefully it stays. But you know, so far you know NFL's done a really good job with their protocols. I, I wrote about this the other day. They only have 15 guys around the league that's on that list now, and so so far so good. You know, fingers crossed. But you know, you, you may add in uh, the complication of having a player test positive during the season. You know, a starter or a, a key guy, and so. Um, yeah, Spielman kind of joked about that uh, one Zoom I was on where he said, yeah, we all know Zim's the most patient guy in the world, so it's going to not be a problem. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. He's just going to – I mean, it's like every coach. I mean, I don't know many football coaches that are patient. They're all kind of control freaks. Um, and so much of this, you know, is out of their control, and especially when you're trying to – especially when we know how much – defense is a source of pride for him and cornerbacks. And now you're, you know, you're dealing with, you know, so many young guys and new guys. Um, 
it, it's going to be a test of his patience, but I'm going to be honest with you, he seemed pretty upbeat uh, when we talked to him this week about what he sees so far from those young guys. Now, obviously, it's just a few training camp practices. Yeah, wait till the Packer uh, game. Yeah, wait till he sees, uh, you know, some – I mean, they face just a list of the – uh, a plus quarterbacks, you know, the best in the game, and so yep. um, it's going to be a challenge. But um, you know, I, whether he ha- how he handles it patient wise, I'm sure there'll be some, you know, there'll be some gruff zim that we see along the way. Thank you, sir. Talk to you next week, okay, Chip Scoggins. All righty, see you, brother. All right, hi. This is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100 percent agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.